You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Three days ago, someone who up until then I thought was my friend tagged a super unflattering photo of me on Facebook, (laughs) in which for some reason I looked both dim-witted and morbidly obese. And it bothered me all day because everyone knows Facebook is the place where we can all be pathologically attractive and happy and funny and have lives that are portrayed as nothing but the highlight reel. (laughs) I was so bummed about this horrible photo that I wondered what it would be like if somewhere in an alternate dimension we all had alternate social media profiles that were comprised solely of the bad pictures we've deleted off our phones. (laughs) The ones where one eye is closed and our butts look big and all the status updates in this alternate Facebook were things like, I spent last night alone while sobbing gently into my Star Wars pillow. (laughs) Or I just manipulated my spouse to get my own way. I know one thing's for sure, I'd be a lot more motivated to spend time reading other people's status updates. (laughs) Some of you know I preached at a dear friend's wedding yesterday in Princeton, and it was for sure worthy of a highlight reel. Everyone was looking their best. But given the fact that we still live in a fallen world, I was looking around wondering if dressing up for weddings is the best idea when it comes down to it, because... Maybe, instead of dressing up and looking our very best at our weddings, it would make more theological sense if we just rolled out of bed and showed up totally as is, with like sleep in our eyes, sporting morning halitosis in that ripped shirt we still have from college. (laughs) That would just be more realistic, uh, because in the end, as much as I'd love it if a highlight reel of our shiniest most spiffied up moments were only what defined us, they're not. I mean, moments like weddings and baptisms and college graduations, moments of beauty and celebration are important. But again, if we choose to think theologically, those moments are no less important in defining us than are our times of failure and need. See, in our gospel reading, Jesus says that the will of the Father is that nothing be lost that has been given into his hands, but that all will be raised up on the last day, which for me begs the question, what exactly then has been given to the Son? I'm pretty sure God did not cherry-pick the Facebook-worthy things of this world to hand to the Son. No, it was the whole package. I don't think the Father handed him just a highlight reel of our brightest, shiniest, most spiffied-up moments in life. No, man, I'm pretty sure it's all uncut footage. (laughs) Yet, so many of us who were raised in the church were given the message that God is only interested in loving and saving an already cleaned-up version of ourselves. So we can only come to God with our conscience as clean as our white Sunday school shoes as though God can only love or make use of us when we're our very best selves. And so the times when we're small and self-interested and angry and weepy, well, 
That's just the proverbial stuff we have to sweep under the rug before company arrives. And I think all of this might be related to how we view the good and bad in our own lives. It's like this weird deal we made with God that if we agree to be good, then God will agree to, quote, not give us more than we can handle, which is nonsense, by the way. My, my husband, the Texan, says that that verse really means that God will not give you more than y'all can handle. <laughs> You won't be given more than a community can carry, since we are made for community. Anyhow, I wonder if maybe God doesn't quite work in the same either-or way that we do. Because I don't think it was God who set up this weird quid pro quo, where in exchange for us being good, God agrees to make sure our lives are never hard and we never suffer. I wonder if the basic premise we so often operate under is that if we are our best self, God can use us. And if we are our worst self, then, well, we're on our own. And likewise, if our life is good, it means God is pleased with us. And if our life is hard, it means God doesn't care. In other words, the only thing of value really is what can show up in our highlight reel. And yet, the God revealed in Jesus does not seem to share that economy. I mean, He's just the weirdest combination of wastefully generous and creatively frugal. I mean, first of all, Jesus will accept anyone. That guy loves a sinner and will offer forgiveness and mercy to, like, basically anyone. Just look around. He has no taste. (laughs) So rather than Jesus being stingy like we are stingy, Jesus is just, like, wastefully throwing around blessings and forgiveness like they grow on trees, and at the same time, won't let anything go to waste. I'd love nothing more than to cut the raw footage of my life down to that highlight reel of just the wonderful moments when I managed to be my best, most gigantic self. But in the editing room of our lives, as we try and cut out the footage of when we thought only of ourselves, or the the footage of when we yelled at our kids, or when we maybe lied about that one thing, or the footage of when we chose to listen to a voice other than God's as those bits of film fall to the cutting room floor so we can whitewash the broken reality we live in. We can hear our Lord and Savior saying, wait, 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 I can use that stuff. It's like we have a soul food God who makes spiritual oxtail soup and chitlins out of the stuff we'd rather throw out. (laughs) So if life is hard and we can't manage to always be our biggest, most gigantic selves, it doesn't mean something is wrong. Nothing's wrong. Because Jesus didn't come to redeem our Facebook status updates. Jesus came to save sinners, and nothing will be lost that has been given him by the Father, none of it. Jesus said, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. To me this week, that meant that the good, the bad, and the ugly is all used for the purpose of redemption in a way only our God can pull off. I can personally testify to this. Uh, My little problem with alcohol and my history of depressive episodes and my struggle with trying in vain to balance my faith and my cynicism, that stuff has come in so much more handy in ministry than the fact that I passed my seminary Greek class. (laughs) 
I don't know why we have a God who has such bad taste as to use even the worst parts of us for the glory of God's name, or why this same God also grants us such love and joy in this life. But that's what we're dealing with. We may wish to curate a version of ourselves that we feel is worthy to be shared, but God says, yes, I'll, I'll take those shiny things, those good things about you, but I'd also like to use whatever it is you're hiding behind your back right now. See, we're an either-or people with a both-and God for whom nothing will be lost and all will be redeemed. This means that the same God who was present when you took your first breath, the same God who watched over your skinned knees and the God who felt absent in your young adult angst and on whose name you've called in prayer countless times, the God who named you and claimed you as God's own and who will also be present when you take your final breath and redeems your life from that grave, this God will use the entire uncut footage of your lives for God's purpose, which is to say God uses every part of the buffalo. (laughs) Nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted. The good is so good, and the bad is so useful. And to the glory of God's name, it shall all be raised on the last day. Amen.